Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Welcome to Broken Catholic, the podcast, the show. This is the show where I stand for unifying Christians everywhere. No more labels, no more divided divisiveness, right? And the enemy winning with 500 uh, years of just broken church and broken Christianity, over 30,000 different religions, all fighting each other, hating on each other. It doesn't make any sense. We all worship the same God. We all want heaven and uh, we need to unify. We need to unify and bring it together. So that's what this podcast is about. And today I'm going to share a really uh, personal story from my own life. Uh, This is a story that, well, it's vulnerable. It's uh, back in the day when I was an idiot and I behaved like an idiot. And I was young and dumb and thought I was invincible. And I also uh, was far away from God in my life. So I'm going to share that story with you. And I think you may connect with certain things uh, from my personal story that connect in your life. And we're going to talk about it today. I also have another podcast called First 100K, The First 100K Show. Um, And that is where I uh, interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000 or next $100,000. So if that's of interest to you, because it's not just about your faith, it's also about your business. How do you bring the two together so that you're not living this bipolar duality in your life like I used to do? It didn't work. It's not working for you. So you got to stop doing that. So go check out that show, First 100K. You can find that on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And that, listen, between both podcasts, this is what I'm standing for. Building faith in your business. Building faith in your business. They're, they're both one. The two become one. That's what we're doing today. So let's get into the story. So the, the main thing I want to say today that the story is about is don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger in your life. So don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger. So let me tell you the story about what happened when I didn't trust God. Instead, I trusted my own gut and how that resulted. So when I was 19 years old, I had a professional fundraising company for national nonprofit charities, and I had a team of 50 people out on the street. 
And we would go and run over to people in parking lots and shopping centers, and we'd ask them for money. And uh, on a previous show, I shared some about this. So uh, that was last week, and I'm bringing, uh, I'm continuing that story. But this is the story about how I was almost murdered the first time. So here's what happened. So I'm 19 years old, and I had, uh, last week I shared, I went out to California. And while I was in California, I, um, you know, worked with my uh, assistant manager and we got California up and running that office. And uh, my buddy was, he was sucking wind out there and he just couldn't figure out how to conquer and find success in Los Angeles like we did in Chicago. And we found that secret sauce. So if you want to find out that secret sauce, uh, for your business, go ahead and listen to uh, last week's podcast. And uh, so we find the secret sauce and now we're up to speed here um, from last week. And the secret sauce was, you got to go listen to the last week's podcast to find that out. So I start building this company and all of a sudden it starts working in Los Angeles and we're on our way to our first $2 million in the next 12 months. And it's working. So it's just happening. Well, uh, I would, as the owner of the company, I would go out and train new people uh, all the time, like every day. So I would interview them. Then I would uh, take them out and train them and show them what we do. do. Then I would uh, be back at the office early to check in uh, all my other uh, 50 my team of 50 people, they came back from their days of fundraising all day. I would motivate them, inspire them. So I wore all these hats as a small business owner. And maybe you're a small business owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm wearing all these hats and I'm out in the field one day and the way we picked a, a location to go and raise money for these national children's charities was, well, my technique was I would just point to a random place on the map in our local area. And that was it. There was no emotional decision making. It was just like, here. And then we'd get in the car, I'd take two new trainees with me, and I would go out and raise funds. Um, and I normally brought another uh, person from my team. So I remember this day, this one morning, I had picked uh, this location on the map. And uh, it was called Compton. I was about about 20 years old at the time. And I was very naive and I did not know what Compton was or had never heard of Compton before. I grew up on Long Island in a, you know, the suburbs. So Compton, Los Angeles, I didn't know what that was. So I just picked Compton. It was just another place on the map and uh, I didn't tell anybody and they got in my car and I had two trainees with me, uh, new people, they're going out to see what it is that we actually do that they're, they would be hired for. And I had uh, one of my, um, my employees with me as well, my teammates. And uh, so we drive out there. I pull up the, the I, I parked the car. And I remember there was this like total silence in the car. Like everyone was frozen and I could feel it. Like, and I, so I was like, you guys are right. And they, they, I remember the two trainees in the back, they were like, why are you stopping the car? Why'd you stop the car? Like, you can't stop the car here. And I said, why not? They're like, do you know where we are? Like, you, you can't stop the car here. And I said, I, I don't get it. Like, 
where are we? They're like, this is Compton. You don't stop your car in Compton. Like, what are you doing? Like, please keep driving. We're going to get killed. And I was like, what? The guy, again, I didn't connect any of it. And I said, this is where we're working. I, I don't care what it's called, but this is where we're working today. And we're raising money for kids. So uh, you could either stay in the car or you could come with me. And that was it. And they were like almost paralyzed. Uh, so I got out of the car and I started collecting all my, um, my stuff out of the trunk, my ID, my, uh, you know, just credentials, all the stuff that we use to raise money for kids. And they finally come out of the car because I somehow, I guess they didn't feel it was safe just sitting in the car there like a sitting duck target maybe. So they get out of the car and we start walking down the sidewalk. And I remember all of a sudden we hear bang, 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 bang. And I was like, whoa, what was that? And I turn around, I don't hear any answers. And I don't see, like, the, the trainees are, are, like, I don't see them. I don't see my teammate. And, I, and they're like, and then all of a sudden I hear their voices, get down, get down, get down. And I look down and they're all laying flat-faced on the sidewalk. Like, flat-faced on the sidewalk. And I was like, what are you doing on the sidewalk? Like, they're like, get down, get down. You're going to get killed. And I was like, what are you talking about? What, what was those sounds? They were like, those are gunshots. You're going to get killed. And I was like, so naive back then. I said, gunshots? Wow, that's cool. And they were thought I was this crazy, crazy dude. And so they finally, um, I, I persuaded them to get back up, that everything was safe, everything was okay. And I remember I saw at the end of the sidewalk was like a 7-Eleven, um, which is like a convenience store. And we start walking down towards the 7-Eleven and I reassured them. I was like, well, listen, let's go to the 7-Eleven. You know, it's a public place. You'll feel safe there, whatever. Let's at least go to the end and, you know, that's it. So we walked down to the end of the sidewalk and at the 7-Eleven, there was a cop car like parked right outside. And I was like, see, there's a cop right there. Like, you're totally safe. Like, what's the big deal? So we walk over to, towards the cop car and we walk around the cop car and we see a police officer that was gunned down in cold blood. It was a drive-by shooting, five shots, four or five shots, I don't remember exactly. And they just shot this cop walking out of a 7-Eleven. And now the people that were with me, my trainees, they are freaking the F out, like losing it. And they're like, take us home. Please take us home. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this job. This is crazy. You're crazy. Please just take us home. And I was like, listen, I'm not going home. Like I'm here to work. So yeah, this is crazy situation, but you know, I'm here to work. And uh, if you want, go into 7-Eleven and call yourself a taxi or take the bus home or figure it out. It's not really my problem. If this is what you want to do, so be it. So they went inside and that was the last I ever saw of them. And uh, my train, um, the girl that worked with me, she was like, Joseph, are you sure? Are you sure about this? Like, do you want to work this? And I was like, yeah, let's work this, you know? And I was like, we're fine. We're safe. No worries. And my gut was saying everything was okay. Right. My gut was saying, keep going. You know, there's no problem. Sure. You just saw a cop get gunned down in front of you, but Hey, 
everything's safe. You're fine. Keep going and take this girl with you. Like it's safe for her too. Like that was what my gut was saying. Like stupid gut. You don't know what you're talking about. So I continue to listen to my gut and we start walking down the street. And at this point it becomes obvious where we are and where we are was like Compton was like, first off, I was the only white dude, Caucasian dude in the entire city is what I quickly noticed, like in an entire city. And we're walking down the streets and uh, everything's boarded up, right? Like all the windows are, are just wood boards and houses and, and, and there was no businesses open other than the 7-Eleven. And I remember that distinctly. And, and my gut's still telling me, oh, no problem. Keep going. Keep going. And I'm ignoring, like, all the signs. You ever do that? Ignore all the signs that are telling you don't keep going in this direction. It's going to lead to danger, impending doom, or death. And you just keep going. Well, that's what I did. I just kept going. And I'm walking and walking and walking. And I'm going down. This, these sidewalks and these side streets and everything. At this point, the girl that I was with, she was like, uh, Joseph, this isn't going to work. Like nobody's out. Like the only people that are out are like drug dealers on the, the street corners and prostitutes. Like they're, and they're not going to give us money for kids, you know? And I was like, well, listen, if you want to go hang in the car, that's totally fine. But I am going to continue forward. I'm not going to give up because I don't give up. Joseph doesn't give up. That was like my winning formula. I am not the person that quits. Even when I'm walking off a cliff, I will not quit. So I go there. I keep walking down. She goes to the car. And finally, at the end of the street, I see... This barbershop, you remember the old barbershops, you know, where they had that candy cane, that candy cane spiral thing, the red and white thing that like spun. And it was like, for some of my audience, right, you get what I'm talking about. So I was like, yes. And it, it, there was an open sign on the window. So I had this approach that I had learned and I shared on my previous episode where I would fly open the door and walk in with confidence because I never knew what I was going to walk into. And I did exactly that. And I flew, flew open this glass door. It like bangs against the side. And I walk in with confidence. And it was this long, narrow barbershop. You know the type. And it's got the chairs and the mirrors on both sides. And I remember I look straight ahead and I see these six tall, black, African-American dudes, right? And these are big mofo dudes, Right? And they're wearing black trench coats and gold chains. You know, the, the rope chains, right? What is it called? Figaro? No, Figaro's the other one. But anyway, they're wearing the big gold chains and they're just looking like gangsters. Right? And they're all like seated at the back of this long barbershop. So I just walk in full blast with a big smile on my face and confidence in my eyes and determination. And I knew to always make eye contact with, you know, whoever the leader was, right? And I spotted the guy who was, he was like sitting on a chair and the other guys were standing behind him. And I just, he stood out because he was the one seated. So I just walked towards him with my hand extended. And I said, Hey, how you doing, brother? 
right? Just like that. And this guy could not get away from me fast enough. He literally fell off of his chair backwards trying to get away from my hand extending towards him. And all the guys like jumped up and like stuck their hands like in their, their coat pockets. Um, and they all like, yo, yo, what's, and this guy, they're all like, yo, yo, what's up? What's up, man? What's up? Five Oh, Popo, Popo. What's up, man? What you want? What you want? What you need? And I was like, what? Like, what? Popo? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you, you five Oh man, you, you Popo, you Popo. And I was like, First off, I don't know what Popo is, and I don't think I'm any of those other things, and I'm not 5-0, whatever that is. Uh, I'm here to help kids, right? So I'm raising money for kids, and I kind of go into my little 30-second spiel, and they are freaking the F out, these guys. And uh, so this happens, and uh, eventually uh, the, the, the guy that was on the chair – he is, he's the vocal one. So he's the leader, I guess. And he was like, you, you're not, you're not Popo. You're not five Oh, you're not police, police. And I was like, no, I'm not the police. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't get it. I was so naive and green behind the ears at 20 years old. I was just this confident, arrogant, you know, super do superman like invincible attitude that's what i had but my gut was not trained at this point because it walked me into dangerous situations and so let me wrap this story up in a bow and then get to the main message of the show the guy looks at me the head guy the leader dude and he was the shorter dude oh by the way i gotta create like a real picture here okay so I'm six foot two, right? That's how tall I was at the time, six foot two. And these guys were like six foot three, four, five, somewhere in that area. They were all, I was looking up to them and they're all like 320 pounds, 280 pounds. This is like the linebackers on a NFL team, a football team and all in black, black trench coats and gold chains. Like, Talk about intimidation. And I'm like this little dude, white dude next to them. And the leader guy is about my size. He's about six foot two. And so he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, you're not, you're not Popo? I was like, no, I'm, if that means cop, I'm not Popo. He goes, so you're not police officer. And I was like, no, I'm not a police officer. So you're not a cop. I was like, nope, I'm not a cop. You're not a narc. Nope, I'm not a narc. So you're here wanting money to help kids. I was like, yep, that's right. Here to help kids. And I'd like you to, to donate some money. And he looks down at my hand. And if you remember on the uh, previous episode I shared, I would carry all my credentials, all my paperwork, my ID and everything. And I would carry a handful of cash to show that other people are donating to the kids social proof. Well, not a good idea to carry a handful of cash in Compton, Los Angeles. I quickly found out. So he looks down at this wad of cash in my hands and he goes, I have a better idea. You're going to donate to us. And I saw this evil come over his eyes. And all of a sudden, his boys, his five boys all surround me. 
and their hands go back into their jackets on their guns. And it was in that moment, something clicked in my head that like my brain kicked in and was louder than my gut <laughs> at this point. And my brain kicks in and says, you're in imminent danger right now. Remember that show, Danger, Will Robinson, Danger. And I realized in that moment, in that second, that my life was about to be taken, that they clearly had intentions to do me harm, most likely to murder me, and then throw my body away somewhere. And they would have gotten away with it, too, because this was Compton. Cops did not drive down these streets. Now, there was the one cop, and I don't know what he was doing out of 7-Eleven, but the rest of the day, for hours of walking, I didn't see anyone. So here I am, danger. These guys want to do me harm. They're going to mug me, kill me, right? And that's it. That's the end of my life. Again, I was so far away from God in my faith and in my beliefs. I didn't think about God in the moment. I didn't see a flashing light. I didn't uh, think about asking God for help. None of that crossed my mind. I was so far in the darkness. And in that situation, the only thing that came to me was an old thing I used to uh, study with Tony Robbins. Um, and I remember he had said something along the lines of this, and I'm paraphrasing. Whenever you are outnumbered, find the leader and intimidate him more than he's intimidating you. If you do this successfully, you will stand a 1% chance of survival rather than a 0% chance of survival. And whatever, for whatever reason, like that just like went into my head. And I knew who the leader was. It was this dude in front of me that just threatened my life. His boys just surrounded me. He was in charge. And I was scared. I was straight up scared. Like, I'm going to die right now. And I don't know how to get out of this situation. I put myself in. And I took the advice of Tony Robbins. And it was to intimidate him more than he's intimidating me. Which means I had to show no fear. Even though inside I was screaming like a little girl. And I looked this guy in the eye and I said to him, listen, whatever your boys are about to do to me, I don't care. You need to know one thing and only one thing, that I am going to take you out and end your life before I go down. Are you ready to die? I am. And I just locked on his eyes and I went quiet. And you could hear a freaking pin drop in that moment. And I could see in my peripheral that his boys didn't know what to do, how to respond. All eyes were on him. What do you want us to do next, boss? And I locked on him and he locked on me. And he started studying me. And he's looking me up and down, gauging how for real am I? And in that moment, I'm freaking out inside. Like, this is, this is it. This is the end of my life. At 20 years old, my life is over. And as he's looking at me, in a moment, 
his face lights up like a Christmas tree with this big smile. And he goes, you are one crazy white boy. Like you crazy. And I'm still locked on this guy. And I remember, I, I remember some of the martial arts movies I used to watch. Like this is how dumb trusting your, always trusting your gut is. It gets you into so much trouble, right? Like I remember these martial arts movies, the Saturday uh, morning matinees. <laughs> some of you may remember that. Anyway, um, and I knew I had a plan of like, when his boys came at me, what I was going to do physically. I was going to swoop right in on this leader dude under his right arm and I was going to swoop around him. And as his gun came out, I was going to take his gun, wrap my arm around it from behind and use him as a human shield and pat, 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 take out his boys. Do I think that was going to work? Yeah, somehow back then I did. Looking back on it, was it going to work? Not a freaking chance. There's no chance that was going to work. It was an insane plan. Stupid. So stupid. And this is what happens when we don't trust God. We come up with stupid, idiotic plans for our life that are going to get us killed. And that would have got me killed. So in that moment, uh, he's, he's like, you are one crazy white dude, man. And he lightens up and everything. And I think somehow he respected my intensity or whatever and commitment and conviction. And, uh, and he goes, relax, relax, man. Everything's cool. We're cool. We're cool. And I was like, we're not cool until your boys put down their whatever, get their hands off their guns and get away from me. We're not cool. I'm still locked on you. I'm still ready to take you out. And he just like looks at me. And he's just like, and he waves to his boys, like, put your hands down, like, get away from him. And they all kind of like go back into their little group around him. And I was like, he's like, dude, we chill, we chill. And I said, dude, we're not chill. And I ain't your brother. Like, you just threatened my life. I don't take that lightly. I said, listen. You are going to donate to these kids. And, and he was like, no, we're not. I'm not. We're not donating to anything. You need to leave. I said, you need to get that I'm still about to take you out and end your life. And, and you just threatened my life. And let me get this straight here, right? Just so I understand the situation. So you're in this barber shop, which is not an actual barber shop. This is a drug front because you sell drugs to kid, uh, to whatever. You sell drugs and you put them out on the street all day and they end up in kids' hands, right? I'm giving you a chance to actually help kids and save their lives rather than destroy their lives like you've been doing. So I need you to donate $10 each right now, $10 for these kids because I'm still ready to take you out. And this guy just looked at me and he leaned back. And this could go either way, as you could imagine. And I was a ballsy son of a gun and stupid. This is a stupid plan, people. Very stupid. He reached into his pocket, pulls out a wad of cash and hands me a $10 bill. And I was blown the F away. 
And then I turned and I said, and now you're boys, $10 each, let's go. Like ballsy, stupid arrogance here. This could have got me killed. And he signaled to them, they each gave $10. At this point, I carried like t-shirts, you know, with the, the, the charity's names on it and stuff, like thanks for helping the kids. I took the t-shirt and this was the dumbest move I had done up to that point. I took the t-shirt and I threw it at him and I said, here's your effing thank you t-shirt. At this point, something clicked in him and I saw that darkness come over his eyes again and he goes, you need to leave now. And I was like, I'm leaving. And I remember I backed out facing him and his boys backed out all the way to the glass door until my, my, the glass door hit my back. And then I exited. And then I ran like a freaking crazy marathon runner to safety. And I ran back to the car and I got in the car. And I remember in that moment, I felt like I didn't feel like gratitude for God. I didn't realize God had just saved my life without me even knowing it or asking for it, that he had spared me, none of that. In my selfish arrogance, I thought I had controlled the situation. And don't get me wrong, I did say something that whatever, you know, and I used that Tony Robbins strategy. But God spared my life. There's no way I should have walked out of that. No way. And I remember thinking to myself, Man, if I could talk my way out of that situation, I could talk my way out of any situation. And I puffed out my chest like a freaking rooster. And I was like, whoa. And I kind of glorified myself like I was my own God. The moral of this story, why I share this with you is because you don't want to trust your gut. Don't always trust your gut. It comes in handy in, in business in certain situations, yes, for avoiding danger. But don't always trust your gut because it will put you into danger. Trust God to avoid danger. That's the secret recipe. Now, you have to do this to build faith in your business. You, you can't 100% trust your gut in your business. You have to trust God in your business. Your faith and your business are together. They go together. They can't be separated. And if you're not trusting God in your business, what's going to happen is you're going to get yourself into dangerous situations. Now, it may not be guns and, and your life being threatened physically like it was for me in Compton. But for you, it may look like a bad deal with a blind spot that you don't know that's going to get you into a ton of legal trouble. And God wants you to avoid that. But you have to listen to him. You have to trust him. He wants you to trust him. Why is this important? Because your gut can deceive you sometimes. That's why this is important. Listen, I'm naturally selfish. I don't normally have other people's interests in mind ahead of, ahead of me. I just don't. I have blind spots everywhere. And I can't see them. If I trust my gut sometimes... I'm not actually trusting my gut or I'm not trusting God. I'm trusting a blind spot, something I can't see. And that's going to get me into trouble. That's going to get you into trouble. You have blind spots. That's why this is important. You can't see everything. You can't know everything. You don't know what's going to happen next. You got to trust God and not your gut. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Joseph, isn't your gut God? Isn't that your intuition? 
right? Isn't that your conscience speaking to you? You know, I don't know. I think sometimes it is. And I think other times, no, it's not. It's my selfish freaking ego. It's my naivety, my invincibility, my pride. And it's that voice. It's the voice of the enemy. It's not the voice of God. So listen, there's three voices that work in your head all day long. There's your voice, right? What you think. Then there's the enemy's voice. Oh, you should do it anyway, even though it's going to hurt that person. Just do it anyway. Come on, no one's looking, right? That's the voice of the enemy. And then there's God's voice. Don't do that. You're so much better than that. I made you for greatness, right? There's three voices inside of your gut. So this is very important. You got to know the voice, right? Which one is God's voice? Which one's your voice and which one's the enemy's voice? You got to take this to God. I've learned this very simple trick, right? If, if three or four or five people are telling you the same thing and it's contrary uh, to your gut, you probably shouldn't listen to your gut. Like when I had three or four people in the car with me saying, don't get out of the car. This is Compton. Don't like, this is danger. I ignored them and trusted in my gut. God speaks through people. God was speaking through them. He's saying, son, Joseph, don't get out of the car. I don't want you to be harmed. Right? And I ignored God. And I trusted my own voice, my own gut. Now, listen, trusting my gut has worked before. That's why it's so easy to do. Trusting your gut has worked before for you, hasn't it? Of course it has. But it's probably worked like me. Trusting my gut has worked for me, I would say, one out of 10 times. One out of 10 times. But that's all I needed. I just need to know it works once. And now I think it's going to work every time. But that's a lie. I'm lying to myself. And if you're thinking that, you're lying to yourself. Nine out of 10 times, it's going to get you into trouble. So avoid that. Don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger. Plus, God has something better for you. So why not trust him? Why not? Listen, it's simple to trust God. It's not easy. I get it. That's why half the time in my life, I haven't trusted God. More than half. But you got to. Don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger in your life. So here's some tips, right? How do you trust God to avoid danger? All right. So I got three tips for you today. First, block out time in your daily calendar. Block out time in your daily calendar. It could be 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes if that works for you. If you're an overachiever like me, go for an hour. An hour a day with God in quiet will change your life. Or 10 minutes, right? Start with 10 minutes. Block out time. That's step number one. Step number two, quiet your mind and listen. Listen for the voice of God. Quiet your mind and listen. Listen for the voice of God. Step three, ask God to show you if this, whatever action or, or thing you want to do or think you should do, ask God if it's his will or your will and get granular, get specific about it, right? Break it down. God does not work with generic prayers. If you ask, pray for generic things, you will get generic answers from God if you ask generic questions. So you got to get very specific. I remember a uh, a quick little thing I'll share with you here is that um, I was engaged once, right? I proposed to this girl because I thought it was the voice of God telling me to propose to her. And it was my gut. Again, I trusted my own gut instead of God. And 
I remember I consulted with God a little bit, but I wanted to propose to her. So I didn't really wait for God's answer in that situation. And what had happened, what happened with that was that uh, I, I moved forward. I proposed to her and we were now engaged. And then we got into this fight, this nasty fight. And I remember she looked at me as she was walking out the door and she said, you know, if you want to call off this whole engagement thing, that's fine with me. And I went, what? Just that you said that makes me want to call off this engagement thing. You know, just that you have doubt and that you would use that as leverage in this whatever spiff fight argument that we're having tells me that I probably shouldn't have proposed to you. And she got this look on her and then slammed the door behind her. We ended up uh, like resolving things and, you know, everything was fine or whatever the next day we made up and everything. And I remember it was like two weeks later, I came home from work and she was at the kitchen sink. I was living with her at the time, which is a dumb decision I made, trusting my gut. And she was washing dishes and I walked over to her and I hugged her and kissed her from behind. And I said, hey, sweetie, how was your day? And nothing, quiet, nothing. And I was like, hey, you all right? Nothing. She didn't say a word. So I came around her and I leaned in and I said, what's wrong? Everything okay? And nothing. And I was like, sweetie, what's up? What's going on? Did I do something wrong? I was like, last thing I know, I went to work. Everything was fine. We hugged and kissed. And now I'm coming home from work and something looks like it's not wrong. Uh, something looks like it's wrong. Did I do something? She turns and looks at me with like death in her eyes. And she goes, you know what you did. And I was like, no, I don't. I really don't. Like, could you please clue me in on what I did? And guys, you get this, right? I have no freaking clue what I did. And it turns out for the next two weeks, uh, actually it was seven days. For the next seven days, she gives me silent treatment. And I lived with her. Like silent treatment. It was insane. And eventually it got to the point where I was just losing it. And um, I remembered back when I had prayed this very specific prayer after I proposed to her. And I said, Lord, if this is not your will that I propose to this girl and marry this girl and spend the rest of my life with her, then please end the relationship and make it impossible for me to stay in it. Whatever it takes, make it impossible for me to stay in the relationship. And I know it's not your will to marry her. And then I totally forgot about that prayer. But that was a very specific granular prayer. Well, God answered it several weeks later, right? And all of a sudden, I'm in this impossible situation where the woman that I'm supposed to marry is giving me silent treatment. And then it goes from silent treatment to nastiness and cursing me out and saying really nasty, terrible things and F-bombing me constantly when I, she sees me after work and stuff and calling me like really, really bad things that you should never say to another human being. And this is going on and it just becomes this impossible situation. So I remember I went out for a beer with my buddy and I was like, dude, like this is what's happened in my life. What should I do about it? And he goes, wait, didn't you pray a prayer? Like God make it impossible for me to stay if this isn't the right girl. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, isn't that an answer? Isn't this kind of an impossible situation you don't want to go home to? And I was like, oh my gosh, like click. I got it. Again, you see the pattern here? I'm really slow to get things, right? But once I get them, I get them. 
And I drove home. I was like, dude, I got to go. Thank you. I drove home. She was home. I walked right up to her. I looked her in the eye and I said, I wish you the best in life. Take care. And I grabbed, I packed up all my stuff and her jaw was on the floor and I packed up all my stuff and I left and I walked out of that situation. That was another, now granted, that's a mini story that I, I just felt compelled to share, but it goes right along with this. I trusted my gut and proposed to the wrong girl rather than asking God and trusting him. Who's the girl you have prepared for me? And I almost married the wrong girl. And that was a small, small glimpse into the future of my marriage. Quiet, silent treatment and hostility. Oh my gosh, God spared me from that death, right? Relationship death. Oh my gosh. You know what? In this moment, I'm just getting that. Like right here on the show with you, I am just getting that that was the third time I was almost murdered, but that was a relationship murder. I almost put myself into a marriage that would have ended in a nasty divorce. Wow. I just got that. Praise God. Don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger. So let's recap. What are the three uh, quick tips? Block out time in your daily calendar to spend with God. Block out time in your daily calendar to spend with God. 10 minutes, an hour, whatever works for your, your schedule. Step two, quiet your mind and listen and hear the, to hear the voice of God. Quiet your mind and listen to hear the voice of God. Step three, ask God to show you how, uh, if this is his will or is it your will? And get very specific like I did with that prayer. Lord, if it's not meant to happen, please destroy it, rip it out of my life viciously, make it impossible for me to stay in it so that I know this is your will. All right, you clear, you know what to do? Take that to God immediately. So don't always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger. Listen, it's your universal right to live a, a life of fulfillment and satisfaction. You are a son or daughter of God, the father, the creator of the entire universe. And he has an awesome and amazing plan for your life. He wants to share it with you. He wants you to trust him and not your own gut. Okay. So you deserve this. So go spend that time with him. Find out what he thinks, what God thinks about whatever situation you're wrestling with right now. And don't always almost put your life on the line like I did in the, the, both those stories I did, I just told you. Don't be like I did because you don't listen to what I'm sharing with you right now. Don't do that. Like that's so much pain that you can avoid right now by taking this advice and listening. So let me close the show on this. You know, I just want to thank you for joining me. Um, this is like awesome time with you. And thank you for hearing my story and how broken I am and how I'm not perfect. I don't got this stuff figured out, but I get up and try every single day and I go and I spend time with God and I'm getting better at it. Right. I'm not perfect there either. I mess up. I forget. And I try to rely on Joseph and trust my gut and it keeps getting me into trouble. So let's stop doing that. You and I, okay. Maybe next time I'll share with you the story of how I was almost murdered a third time. And that's an intense story. And uh, maybe I'll share that with you. Again, I am Joseph Warren. You are made for greatness. So stop being a wuss. Start being a winner. Don't tr always trust your gut. Trust God to avoid danger in your life. 
I will catch you right back here next week. Go to brokencatholic.com. Become a sponsor of the show. Become a partner. If, if you enjoyed this messaging, help me to spread this message. We're now reaching 40 countries. That's human lives in over 40 countries. That excites me. That's God transforming the life of one amazing listener every show. And I know it's more than one, but I'm standing for at least one. And God's doing it. I know it is because you guys are writing into me and you're sharing your stories with me and how God transformed something in your life that was broken by something you heard on this show. Maybe it was one of my guests. Maybe it was my own personal story. That's why I'm showing my, my nakedness. That's why I'm opening my heart and sharing my vulnerability because we all have the same struggles. And maybe one of my struggles can help you avoid a struggle for yourself in your life. That's what I want for you. All right. So I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. God bless you. Have a great week. Go be kind to others. I love you. And I'll see you right back here next week. Peace.